Okay, so welcome to the second episode of the White Shark Interest Group podcast. A massive shout out to all our listeners. We've had a fantastic response to the first episode, and this is now our second O. Back once again today, we have myself, Ricardo Lacombe, one of the admins. We've also got our founder, Dirk Schmidt, with us. Hey, hi, everybody. And we've got fellow admin, Javier Rios, with us. What's going on, fellows and ladies? Fellows and ladies. Okay, so we've had some requests we put out there for topics for discussion, and we had some fantastic questions and topics suggested by uh, Chris Neto, who's one of our very active members on the group, Andrew Curry, the person with the longest member name ever, and I'm going to get this wrong, Rebecca Stover Nikes Fuller. Sorry if I got that wrong, Rebecca. Clark Fullerton, again, a very active member of the group. So a big shout out to you guys for, for getting involved and, and suggesting topics there. We were going to talk a little bit today about conservation. Most people tend to find their way to a group like ours, the White Shark Interest Group, for conservation reasons. Or You've seen things about sharks, you want to know more, you want to get involved, educate yourself, and it, a lot of it does come down to conservation. But one of the questions that frequently gets asked, and I used to ask this myself, and I wanted to put it out to you guys, a lot of people ask how you can get involved in white shark conservation and conservation for sharks in general when you don't actually live near sharks you don't live next to the ocean you're not out there you're not in the field you're not in marine biology how can you get involved do you think in conservation efforts uh, that's a that's a good question um, uh, ricardo I, I hear that often as well people would like to get involved how do we get involved what can we do if you speak out for sharks you're making more and more people aware of sharks and changing public perception educating people with knowledge and images and stories you know where people Start realizing that sharks are actually not all that bad. I mean, my mother being an ideal case in this, you know, for her, a good shark was a dead shark. I battled with her mindset about it for many years. And, and ultimately, she realized and said, you know what? You know, you've dived with these sharks. You've swung with these sharks. They've been around you and they haven't eaten you. And I said, yep, they haven't eaten me. So she started to actually change her perception to it. And I just believe that the power of change lies in education and knowledge. And well-informed individuals can make a difference by influencing those around them, around us. Really, together, we can affect a change that conserves this species and other shark species. So how, how do you see that the, the conservation that you might do, say, online? I mean, you can sit there all day clicking on you know, campaigns and petitions. How do you think that kind of education and awareness actually then can directly follow on to actual conservation and saving the animals? Well, there's, there's many ways. I mean, sure, you can do petitions, uh, which are always great. I mean, we're always looking for people to support certain petitions, uh, especially against finning and protecting certain species. But overall, it's, it's more the communication, the spreading the word. I mean, we have the power of social media at our fingertips nowadays. Through this power, we also have the power to influence, to affect opinion, to change behavior, to change opinions, to change misguided perceptions. Conservation is not just about physically what we are doing for a physical shark, like taking the nets out, uh, being on the water and so forth. There's so much more that we can do behind the scenes in terms of actually driving education, posting or sharing information that we are sure of is factual and supporting you know, research conversations and interacting and engaging. I agree with that. It starts with every individual. People are hard to convince sometimes because uh, obviously they only see what they hear or they clickbait or one uh, subject and one line and they go with that. They don't read the whole 
report because you think that people are going to actually read appendix from a research paper that somebody, some people will. I know some people will, but not the normal person might not because there's a lot of complicated words, scientific words that I don't even understand sometimes. This happened recently, last couple of days, I saw posts on the group about um, the shark that's pinged again, the famous case of Catherine the shark. Yeah, correct, correct. So Catherine, all these headlines, all they said, and even like Apple News and everyone was reporting this great white shark named Catherine re-emerges after disappearing a year ago. Wow, amazing. It's got a picture of a white shark. But actually, when you go and read the detail, thanks to our lovely uh, our lovely friends over at All Search and their PR machine, it actually doesn't say she's re-emerged at all the the purely were just saying on speculation of last data if she was still there which i do hope she is where where she would be now where she would ping yet the headline was that catherine's pinged re-emerged after a year and it totally absolutely the article said nothing of the sort but that headline is all people caught on to you know and that is a problem that if you're not take the time to really read the article you're not going to get the right information and then you're going to go with it. And that's how fake news things blow out of proportion. And that's a detriment to the white shark that we, which are we talking now. Again, going back to, you got to be responsible to read the information and look for the information. Don't be afraid to ask about it because you're not supposed to know everything. None of us, even the biggest expert doesn't know everything. That's why they keep research. They keep looking for information. But to protect sharks, if you don't start with facts, the, the, the simple facts, you don't have to get into the nitty-gritty of the scientific information. You'll be going in the right direction. Mm-hmm. So I think when new members tend to, to join our group, you do see this, you know, some people have this, this great passion for sharks and they're instantly saying, what can I do? What can I, how can I get involved? And I think, Dirk, you always said this, start at home, start locally. I mean, especially places like Europe, where we have places still selling fin soup and selling shark products. Uh, I even I even saw it, and this is where it kind of blows my mind, is to bring it close to home. I know people who, I saw a picture of them and they've got a, they've got a set of shark teeth, some shark jaws on their bookcase behind them in a picture right. and i started just quizzing is that real is that a real one and the more i dug and asked the question not only was it real but it really wasn't from a reputable source where, where they actually bought it and where they went the where the country they were in at the time clearly it was it was detrimental to sharks they got a piece of a piece of jewelry essentially now a piece of you know something for the bookcase to look cool and these are people who i considered you know fairly well educated with a lot of common sense but haven't stopped to think hang on a second, me going in and buying the shark product or me, you know, searching online, I want white shark teeth, who don't stop and think and ask those questions. And I still find that quite striking. But I mean, is that is that a place you can start with that kind of level of education, maybe? I, I think it is, uh, uh, Ricardo, because, they, they, you know, we got all got to start somewhere. I mean, you know, even the most ignorant person, and I say that with all due respect, is, you know, saying that a great shark, and this is, you know, partially my mother, because she was ignorant about the, you know what what sharks actually do in the oceans, and you know why we need to conserve them. You know, and I said back in 2011 is, is that you cannot conserve a species you do not understand, and mm-hmm. that's really you know fundamental. You have to understand you know something about sharks in general, and especially the white you know the white shark being an apex predator, why it reproduces so slowly. You know why is it only found in certain areas of the world? You know why is it not more more commonly spread around? And understand the the fundamentals about, um, and I alluded 
to some of that in my book. The power of change lies in education and knowledge. Only well-informed individuals can make a difference by influencing those around them. And then obviously together we can affect to change the conservation of the species. And it's a, it's a process. It's nothing going to happen overnight. Sure, people would go into these tourism shops somewhere on some island and they see a whole bunch of shark jaws and they think, they, oh, gee, look, they're cool. They'll bring them home. And it's an enthusiasm that they have. Sure, they are supporting an industry that's obviously you know not sustainable. But in the same sense, they have an awareness of sharks. Bringing those jaws home hopefully will actually spur them on to learn more about sharks. And then when they actually get into pages like ours, they actually realize like, wow, you know, I'm actually supporting an industry that is not A, not sustainable, B, it's not in the best interest of the, you know, of the biodiversity for our oceans. So it's a process. I mean, we all started somewhere along the line. I mean, when we remember, we, we saw a lot of people saw jaws for the first time. Sharks weren't really a big issue then. I mean, sure, they were around and, you know, divers complained about them and, Powerhead shot, you know, killed a few, and it was like a big hero thing. It only became Jaws really changed in terms of brought sharks into your living room. And it became a topic of conversation. Firstly, maligned, monstrous, bloodthirsty killers, and so forth. And we're obviously still fighting those headlines. It actually started bringing sharks into the living room as a point of conversation. And I think I'm gladly to say that we have evolved into a much more positive light of sharks now to say, you know, that. Jeez, you know, Jaws was a great movie to make you aware, and it's still an iconic movie. But if you actually look at what Jaws, the whole series, one, two, and three, and you look at how far from reality that is now, and we brought that about by education, by uh, bringing programs along like Shark Week, the mere fact that Shark Week is so popular tells you something. Yeah. And I'm delighted to say that sharks are now like literally people look forward to something about sharks. For, for the whole year. Yeah. Sure, these, some of these programs are still like you know, teeth and blood and it's like danger and all that kind of stuff. But a lot of these shows are starting to morph into a more conservation, educatory tone versus just showing teeth and the you know, thrashing tails and you know, blood and gore and everything. So I'm really delighted to see that as we progress, sharks are becoming much more of a, of a topic that is actually now used as a, as a token for conservation and why we need them. And, you know, spurring the whole, you know, fight against finning and, and, you know, starting up shark conservation areas and marine conservation areas. I think both yourself and, and Javier both said in the first episode, Javier, you, you mentioned about, you know, an organization like Osearch, for instance, bringing, at least bringing shark awareness to the fore is, is, a, is a fantastic step. And Dirk, you've just kind of said that same with, with Shark Week. And I think you're both far better far better men and conservationists than me because I still struggle a lot with not getting not getting angry at Shark Week and, and those kind of outlets. I get angry. I get angry. I get frustrated. Yeah. Um, but I got to separate the objective with its objective. So I have my opinions, which I'm making clear in many occasions. Like I said, I can't be a hypocrite. Yeah, Shark Week has his flaws and a lot of flaws. But so many people... People that I know that they haven't joined my page because they're not that much into, I mean, they like shark, but they're not that much like some of, of us are. But they, every time that they know me, so they know that when shark is coming, they go, are you ready, Javier? They put it on my wall or they send me a, hey, shark week is coming. Though to me, that's, it's a positive because yes, maybe 70% of the programming is BS in my opinion. Because you could find educational in everything if you look for it. But, you know, in the general sense, most of it is kind of like whatever, man. 
you, you, you get frustrated and I understand your frustration regardless because I get it too. Well, I guess, I guess the frustration is twofold because one, it's an industry I work in, so I kind of see what they're doing yes. and I have to try and work to separate what is basically just essentially like reality TV formatting to yes. what I'm actually have an interest in which is sharks and you know shark conservation and then the, the other frustration is that huge platform millions of people imagine if you actually could get those real messages across in that week you know if you have that size of an audience and you could get that message out i also then wonder do people want to hear that message is the fact that the great white shark is an endangered species that we must protect and you know all the and, and why as you talk about Derek, why the impact on it with with uh, fishing them or purposely killing them how they just cannot reproduce quick enough to keep up with what humans are doing to them do people want to hear it are they there just to literally sit back with a beer and watch some sharks jumping out of the water and... you know what i'd rather have somebody sitting back with a beer watching sharks jump out of the water at least they have an interest in the sharks and the messages that do come through will i, I believe chip away at the subconscious about what if they weren't there anymore you know what i mean what i'm not going to see sharks jumping out of the water anymore I mean, that's what channels like uh, uh, net geo and discovery channels i mean or smithsonian sure they're popular but Shark Week is just like, wow, you know what I mean? It brings the buzz about and it's exciting and, you know, what's new and, and so forth. So people are look forward to those kind of shows, sure, because some sensationalism in that. And I'm, and I'm pretty sure the producers uh, are trying to balance it off in terms of, because uh, I have written to them numerous times and saying, like, you know, please provide a balanced view hmm. uh, of Shark, not just the, you know, the exciting parts, which is sure, you know, attracts your crowds. And the headlines are sometimes atrocious. You know, if I read some of the, the, the headlines of these shows and I just, just like shudder to watch, you know, but then the actual, the actual content is actually not bad, but the headline just sucks. Yeah. You know, I suppose it's the same in the UK with some of the newspapers there as well. It's like, it's like you just want to say, like, really? You know? <laughs> so. Every year, every summer, the, the trash tabloid magazines will always yeah. start bringing up that some fisherman in Cornwall has just seen a great white shark and they're on our shores. Last year, though, yeah. there was an ever so slight little difference, even in the trash tabloid mags. The, the language they were using was was a little bit more toned down than usual. It did give me a little bit of hope there that, you know, some, some fisher, fishermen in Cornwall have seen a shark and they think it's a white shark. And then it actually went on and discussed about what kind of water temperatures white sharks might need and what their food sources mean. It's like, wow, this this wouldn't have happened, you know, like you said, in the in the Jaws era. Uh, and it, it was a slight change away from the whole, you know, killer killer shark attack you know, killer sharks are attacking England. Right. And I think that's 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 where it's gonna trend towards. I mean they they in all consciousness as as people become more and more educated, especially about sharks. And this is again where education is such an important part of being able to spread informed and qualified knowledge. They know that part of the audience knows better than to believe their trash headlines. And they can't be that ignorant that people aren't becoming educated about sharks more and more. And that headlines just like that just don't stand up anymore. Yeah. Even with Shark Week and things like that you see the the tide turning that people are getting smarter about knowing that most of it is not really educational it is more about getting it somebody to watch uh, by the title i love watching jumping sharks out of the water that's impressive no matter how you want to how are you going to put it does it get repetitive yeah of course but i don't have that much of a problem with that is it helping conservation no is it helping Put people in the right direction to see what the why shark really needs 
somebody that is in, in the business working directly with them, like me, that I don't, I don't, but somebody that is not going to be close to the ocean. Let's put one title that I always find interesting, Serial Killer Y Shark. I knew you were going to say that one. I knew you were going to say that one. <laughs> well, let me tell you how my mind has evolved in recognizing the title versus the subject within the show, which is from a very respected, and I respect a lot, Mr. Rod Collier. But if you look at the title and then you look at the programming, it's not about that the killer, the shark is looking to murder one victim and then <laughs> for the next one. It's more about the way that these scientists are doing, you know, like the carbon uh, with the tooth and doing all the research like an FBI profiler would. Right, right. Forget about the whole title for a second and look at some of the subject within the show and you'll get it. Uh, it, interestingly, uh, this this is a genuine true story, and I'm not going to mention any names here. But I was I was in South Africa filming in the same guest house was a production crew who were shooting for Discovery, shooting for Shark Week that year, and they were just getting at that time they were getting this is quite obviously the shooting you know a year plus in advance of the shows for like next year. They actually just got through at the time the rundown of the titles for that year, for later that year, including shows that they've worked on. And they they were actually genuinely finding it hilarious. They were reading through the titles and just absolutely howling with laughter. <laughs> now, these are guys who work on these shows, and these are genuine good people, you know. These are genuine people who would have an interest in conservation and do, they also want to put a roof over their head and pay their bills, which is why they're working, you know. But they were genuinely laughing at the titles. And and I know from seeing them then work, who were extremely professional uh, and the quality of what they're, they're filming, you know, in terms of the, the, the technical skills, is, you know, is absolutely fantastic, superb. But even they were laughing at themselves in terms of the, those corny titles they put out. So, yeah, it's interesting that you have to get past that to get to the content. In some shows, though, but the bloodthirsty or, you know, and they, it's only about shark attacks. I, I like to know if the, how many shark attacks have been in, in the world throughout the year, but I don't need to be dramatized with actors uh, going to the Bahamas and in honeymoon, and the the girl went out in the water and never came back. I, that's that's ridiculous in my. I mean, I know it's a true story. Well, the, the the recreations that they do, you mean? Right. Yeah, and it's like, come on, really? So I'm, I'm one thing I'm curious about. A question for both of you, actually, in two parts. Well, firstly. Dirk, you talked about your mum's opinion is good, only good sharks are dead shark. Is I'm I'm assuming there might be is that from South Africa? Yeah. Well, she was she was uh, she was in Germany, and uh, I mean I grew up my first couple of years in Germany, and then I migrated to South Africa. But uh, but yeah, she was uh, she had that opinion, and and uh, I mean she had a very staunch opinion about it. And uh, you know when I started writing my books, she thought I was crazy. You know how can you do this and and even once I published my book, she still had this attitude. And then as I, you know, kept on working on her opinion about it, it started to change, you know, and I showed a picture from underwater, you know, with, with great whites. And she just couldn't believe that, you know, I, I still had all my limbs. So, right. so she, was, she was quite amazed. She says like, you know, you're crazy doing this and uh, you're my son. And I, you know, I just wanted to look after you. I said, yeah, but 
But, uh, you know, I, yeah, she was probably just worried about you, you know. But I would need to tell her as well that, uh, you know, it's, it's you know, we need to protect these animals because I just remember as, um, as a kid when we went back to Germany to go and visit was that uh, we ate shark. Uh, it was like a smoked shark fillet in a way, and they smoked it, and it was like a more Nordic tradition, and, and it was really tasteful. Now, I mean, mm. thank, thankfully, that industry has completely stopped. Um, with people being more and more aware of sharks and, and shark meat and so forth. I mean, I'm not saying it's not being farmed or you know, fished commercially anymore, but that whole industry has actually disappeared. And uh, they had other industries, obviously, as well, linked to well blubber and so forth in the old days, that uh, some kind of oil that they gave to kids to, to drink to, for, for their bones or something. You know, all these practices have changed. And I believe that these practices have changed not only because, again, we threatened these, these species literally to extinction, but also through education, that we found alternatives, that we found alternative ways of actually having the same the type of protein or type of food in the same you know, chemical that we require. But um, but yeah, uh, just coming back to my mom, it, it took a while to educate her. But again, it was facts, it was knowledge, it was information, it was uh, factual information about you know what really happened and and how these interactions happened. You know, now she actually you know she says, oh no, look look at the headline. Uh, and I'm quite proud of how she actually says, and she's like 84, and she says like, look at these headlines, like, they're completely wrong. They just dis- they they describe these sharks as monsters, you know. And that for me is like, if I can convince an 84 year old <laughs> that to 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 read out newspaper clippings to me that uh, and then point out how factually incorrect she believes them to be, again, that's just the power of education, the power of knowledge that that can take you know somebody who was an ardent uh, 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 you know, two sharks to be able to you know wipe them out. Versus that she understands that we need them and we understand that, you know, they are very part of our ocean. But just before that, uh, even the early books, you know, from Jacques Cousteau and Hans Huss and all these explorers, they were always uh, very respectful and very cautious of sharks in the early days as well. But as they progressed as well, they got used to working with them and they got used to them being around and they also did not see them as these bloodthirsty killers. I believe that, you know, we, we set the foundations of our current knowledge and our base, knowledge base on these explorers very early on that had such a great impact on so many of us. You mentioned like Jaws because, I mean, obviously we, we'll talk, we usually talk about Jaws quite a lot on the group and things, but Jaws, you stopped at number three though, Derek. You said, oh, terrible films like Jaws 1, 2 and 3. You want to talk about number four? Number four, <laughs> right? So Michael Caine's in number four. I don't know if you remember yes, this. Actually. So, so it's like the it's the descendants of the original shark now know who the Brody family is, and then follow them down to the Caribbean. Yeah, come on now, right? <laughs> but, yeah. But people still contact me and they'll be like, oh, Ricardo, shark guy, shark guy. Look, Jaws 4's on channel so-and-so. I'm like, you really yeah. think I want to watch Jaws 4? Actually, it's a guilty pleasure sometimes. Do. And for the most concerning one, it's like, what was Michael Caine thinking? <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'll tell you what Michael Caine was thinking. I saw a fantastic interview with him. He Somebody said to him, they're interviewing him about some award he was getting and some masterclass he was doing on acting. And they said, why do you make films like Jaws 4? Have you seen Jaws 4? And he said, actually, I haven't seen Jaws 4, but I've seen the house that my mum, I bought for my mother with the money from Jaws yeah, 4. Yeah, you he was very, very straightforward. He, paid, he did it for the paycheck. But, oh, it's absolutely horrendous. People still say to me, oh, I know you're into sharks. Quick, Jaws 4 is on Channel 5. It's like, no, thanks, I'm okay. I wanted to ask you, Javier, that, you know, I heard there about, like, Dirk's mum and that, and that opinion changing, which is a fantastic story. Now, where you live, because you live in Florida, yes, yeah? Miami. So where you live in Florida, I just wonder, you're right on the ocean. 
I know there's a lot of a lot of fishing yeah, uh, there. Do you think culturally, what's the sort of attitude towards sharks and sharks con- conservation in an area like that compared to say I live in a village in the middle of the north of England where you know no one goes near the ocean? Do you think there's a like a a cultural difference or a locational difference depending where you live on conservation? Yeah, definitely. Uh, it depends where you live in Florida. Even though we all use the water for swimming, surfing, fishing, diving, snorkeling. Honestly, here people have a very good understanding about that sharks are there. That's why you don't see nets or drawn lines. Obviously, there's no white shark, but there's big sharks. You know, like I said, there's tiger shark, there's big this bull shark. I, I, I feel proud about that. I, I love my state. There's a lot of things that are, are laughable about this state, but one thing I really love is that people respect the water. Unfortunately, great whites don't go that close to shore here unless you go to the Keys. Sometimes you see them going through the Gulf or from the Gulf. People see them diving, but or you see them if you go out fishing, you see a great white, but it's, it's very rare. It's not a that's common and where they, the, the way they swim from the Atlantic, you know, they stay of the rich. I mean, the, unfortunately, the fishing part, and we have a couple of fishermen that, well, we know this, uh, the Martha Shark, obviously, uh, this guy that takes yeah. famous people out to catch big sharks. They get huge hammerheads and tiger sharks and, and big sharks. And that's yeah. a constant battle with people like that, people that fish sharks. To, to eat, which I don't like. I see the majority of people do respect that the sharks are there and they're constantly aware that they're always there. And if they don't know, and they're with me, I'm going to tell them. And yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and sometimes they're going to be so close to you. And you could see that when you see those uh, those uh, uh, helicopter shots that you see the, the ocean and you see all the sharks, the people swimming, and then you see a shark like 10 feet away, right? And then you see the people like screaming and whatever, you know, that's, unfortunately, that's a normal reaction from people. They're going to start screaming, unfortunately. That's just nature. It's good to see that people are pretty, they have a pretty good relationship with the ocean here. And when it comes to respecting it, I think that because it, it, it not, it's not always been like that. Now, if you go to a little north near Smyrna Beach where people serve, People go in the water knowing exactly that somebody's going to get beat by a shark every year. Yeah, because you, you were saying this on, on the last episode, weren't you? You were saying that uh, in like some of the things, there's people, you know, six, seven bites every day. Is that right? Yeah, it happens. In, yeah, it could happen. It could have happened throughout the whole coast it, it, in the surf, with the surfing. And it, it's going to happen. And people know it. And they're still, even people coming from out of town, all right, they come to surf. Yeah. And they go, oh, I got beaten, but I'll be back. I'll be back. You know, that's not gonna kill me. I know. I know. It's- See, that's crazy. Because if that if that was a white shark, even even a little even a little nick on the foot, that would still be a front page yeah. headline in most areas. Well, they they do give the news. They put it in the news, but most of the time, it's not as sensationalized. The big change in perception is that you know, from people are starting to classify the shark bite versus a shark attack. If you're being attacked, I can, you know, believe me, if, if a shark attacks something, he'll, he'll, you'll see the purpose on that versus just a bite and let go and either you were cramping in a space or you threatened it or it felt threatened, you didn't see it or things like that. But there's, there's a, a you know, I think the shift in media 
and this, and therefore the shift in people's perception lies in a lot in, in just changing one word from attack to bite has made a huge difference. Uh, or in, in incident, incident, I see that used a lot yeah. more now. There's been yeah, a sharp incident. incident. We have to thank social media as much as double-edged sword and we, there's a lot of bad things with social media. We got to thank, again, technology, mo uh, modern, being in a modern, modern world, evolving into technology. You see that the reason people have changed their perception about a bite versus an attack. I've, I've seen it in the group. I've seen I've seen a thread started in the group, and and you know, and people have had that conversation, uh, and and they've come out with a different attitude. Correct, and we have to thank uh, the 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 way that people, the access people have to to get perspectives from a bunch of different people around the world, not just from one location in the United States, little corner in in Florida. Is the whole world is in Facebook, it's Twitter. I think, I think there is a lot of value in social media. Yes, it gets a bad rap, but it is a very powerful, it's a tool. I think one of the things that in the White Shark Interest Group, we, we now, if, if you're not a member of the group, by the way, and you're listening to this on, you know, wherever you're listening to it, Apple, Spotify, Podbean, wherever you are, if you want to join the group over at Facebook, just search the White Shark Interest Group. As you do, one of the things that we do for, for member requests is, is ask a question. We always say, why, why do you want to join the White Shark Interest Group? Some people will just I like sharks. put, I love sharks. And then some people will write you a whole paragraph yeah. about shark conservation. Yeah, me too. I love it. I love that. And what I always do, when I see those, what I always do is think, I always jot the name down and just see if they then start posting and getting involved because that that that's the kind of, I mean, yes, if you're there because you love sharks, you want to see the pictures, fantastic. But clearly some people come into a group like that with so much passion already. Uh, and, then, and I think that spreads. Once those people get into the groups and start, and start posting that. I think that's kind of infectious. That that sort of attitude of you know, I want to learn yeah. more. I need to know more. I want to protect sharks. But I I think one of the social media is a fantastic place. We always say the media needs to represent sharks better. I genuinely think within your own families and friends, like you've highlighted fantastically, there, Dirk, with your mother. When people do send me that message, Ricardo, check out Joel's Falls on Channel Five. I often do stop and take the time to tell them why I think it's crap. <laughs> There's a good reason for it. And, and I think, it, it, in a sense, it does need to start there. His challenge your friends, challenge your family who, you know, might have these perceptions of uh, of sharks. And, of course, their eyes will glaze over after a while when you realise you've been telling them for half yeah. an hour about why, yeah. it's, why it's crap. But... Yeah. Then, then there's one, one more thing that I'd like to just bring up in, on this podcast as well, in terms of actually the change of perception, knowledge, and, and education, is the the advent of drones. As you know, you see more and more of these uh, of this footage. You can very clearly see the shark has absolutely no interest in the, in the human. I think you know, whilst drones are great in terms of like you know showing us that that fear factor in terms of initially is like, oh, look how close the shark was to to somebody. It could have attacked them. It mm. could have savaged them, and all the kind of you know junk that you normally read about. People are starting to realize this shark's got a no interest. B is going. It's it's obviously hunting some fish, or it's just in an area patrolling its 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 area there looking for food. We, it's very very clear from this footage that 
as, as we're not on their food chain. We're not part of their food chain. They don't recognize us as being a food source. As we see more of this drone footage, it brings that message home more and more. And it's really great to see. And before, we never saw that. You know, so we always thought we were alone in the water. We're swimming around back line and we're doing breaststroke and backs, you know, uh, and, and back flips and, you know, whatever we want to do in the water. We never realized that the sharks were actually so close to us at all times. Now with drones, we're realizing yeah. that. And guess what? Nothing's changed. We can you know, co inhabit the same water space. A shark's not going to go out there and hunt you. If it did, we would see far more attacks than we, we see now and what we see in the past as well. I mean, it's a shark attack is still a very rare incident. And yes. and I, I just believe this drone footage has to a large extent shown that sharks are not really interested in us. And I thought, you know, that is something just to add in terms of, you know, why it's so important about knowledge and these shark groups that we have is to show that kind of footage as well for people to realize that, that you know what, Next time I'm in the water, there's, it's a great possibility that a shark could be in the water with me. And guess what? I'm going to survive this, you know, survive this incident. Well, sur surfers have been realizing this for a long, long, long time. I I, you're right. I love the drone footage for so many reasons. I mean, I'm a drone photographer myself. But I love drone footage. Think of the difference of that top-down angle, which in one sense, yes, you can see how close it is. Now, imagine if that camera came down to water level. And all you see is a guy on a surfboard and in the background, you see the fin coming out of the water. That's the image that we've had for decades now. Yeah. yeah. Whereas, yeah, from a drone, you see, I guess it gives you a, it takes you out of that situation a little bit. Yeah. I've got a question for you, Ricardo. Um, what got you involved in, in shark conservation and, and being so passionate about them now? Oh, well, well uh, fear initially. Um, I was, I grew up terrified of sharks. Um, and I, I mean, I grew up in Canada. First movie I ever saw was Jaws. When I, I, I remember images of that from when I was about four or five. From the earliest memories, just from Jaws, I always remember sharks. Um, I've always had an interest. I've always found them, you know, fascinating creatures to watch. And I didn't used to watch a lot of shows like Shark Week. I used to read a lot of books and look at a lot of photography. And I think around sort of late 80s, early 90s, I actually started um, getting involved in some of the personalities behind sort of sharks. So the first one I ever remember looking into was uh, Ron and Valley Taylor, yeah. who obviously did a lot of the work on on Jaws, and that was like a lead in to start looking at who who are these people who go out and and you know study the sharks and oceans, and and then I kind of just didn't think about that much for several years until it was actually my my wife Rachel and we'd been on a couple of sort of vacations together. We just had a year where we said, okay, this was there was no kids at this point, and it was like, okay, what what should we do? And we kind of both instantly said, let's go shark cage dive. It's just one of those bucket list things. You think that wow, what will that be like? Face your fears. I had a, a horrendous fear of open water, even like a river. I'm a bit terrified to be on it. So the idea of I'm going to get out on this little boat and I'm going to go out to a place where I know I'm going to see white sharks mm -hmm. in False Bay. You know, absolutely terrified me. It's terrifying. So, but we thought, let's do it. Let's do it. We we went on out on um, on a charter, and we got out. Oh, I'll tell you actually. Just before we got out, we got stuff. Got on. We got a, our first trip out was booked on a Wednesday. So on the Monday, we were sort of prepping ourselves. We're having a nice day around Simon's Town, around the Cape area, looking at the wildlife and so on, and kind of getting ourselves mentally prepared for this horrendous fear. We're going to go out and see these sharks. It's going to be terrifying. And then when we got back to the guest house on the Monday, someone at the guest house called and said, oh, by the way, the, the shark charter company's just called, just checking you're ready for your dive tomorrow. And I'm like, tomorrow? It's Wednesday. And they're like, no, 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 it's tomorrow. Check back with them. And it's like, oh, my goodness, we've not, we've not got ourselves ready for this. 
mentally. We're, we're going to be terrified. So, you know, 5.30 the next morning, we're down on the on the jetty in Simon's Town. We're actually going to get on a boat and go and see sharks. And we're still terrified. Got on the boat, headed out to Seal Island. It's like, this was so surreal. The sun was just coming up over the mountains. It was, you know, beautiful place. But what, what are we doing? We're going to go see sh- great white sharks. Mm. Are we crazy? And then we saw some in the distance, I think. We saw a few things happening, splashes maybe. But Rob pulled the boat, boat up. Now, I'll never forget this moment. I was stood on top of the boat, and then I just saw the, the belly, the underside of a white shark, and it was probably about a four-meter female, just rising up from real deep. Just saw this white this white shape, and it gradually just coming up so slow, so graceful. And, and I'm stood on top of this boat. The fear's gone within, literally within a second. And I always say to this, if you, if you, are, if you are fortunate enough to be able to go out and actually see white sharks, it will change your life forever and change your perception of that animal forever. About five, ten seconds of this shark slowly rising up with its, it's like straight up with its belly facing us, glaring white with the sun hitting it, was just the most surreal moment. And I knew within from ten seconds of what the hell am I doing out on a boat with sharks around me to I turned to my wife and we both said, Let's get suited up. I want to go in that cage. I want to see these guys up close. And 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 from there, I started, you know, looking on Facebook, looking on social media, as Javier has already said, very powerful tool, and, and just got involved. And then I used to join in discussions in the White Shark Interest Group. And, and then somebody said, we need an admin. And wow. here I am. Wow. Yeah. And we're really, really grateful for you as well. So yeah, you've done excellent work for us. Thank you so much. Well, we had to be glad to have and you. And a real shout out to, to you and your wife. And uh, but then, what made you? What made you do uh, White Shark Legend? Uh, was that during your initial fear as well, or was it? But that, but were you a convert by then? Uh, I I wasn't a con. Well, I wasn't a convert. My great White Shark Legend, which again, shameless plug. If anybody wants to see that, it's Probably on Amazon. Away. Away. Um, <laughs> So because we'd been out there as tourists and, and seen these white sharks and, and known literally within seconds that everything we'd seen about white sharks was was a misrepresentation. Yeah. It was that it was that that stuck with me, that held with me. That was a real powerful emotion. I've been I've been lied to. This isn't the truth. This is they're not like they're portrayed. So I came home and I had some footage and home video footage and put a little piece together and I, I was sending it to um, Rob and Carl Lawrence at, the, at their business and saying, hey, if you want to use this footage for your business, you can. Just shot it for fun. Uh, and I did a couple of commissions, doing a couple of like promotional videos for those guys. Um, and then as we were doing that, we just got to thinking myself and my wife that 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 story of this is not how sharks are this is not how a white shark is that people have been fed for for decades no one's telling that story no one's putting that story out there and can you actually even capture in a documentary or a film can you capture that feeling of seeing a white shark in person not through cheesy music you know the same clip overplayed the recreations all the kind of stuff that you see on discovery channel which they're they're very good at what they do i i cannot discredit them for that i just wanted to do something very different and then i just got talking to rob and Connor about could do you think we could actually do this you know i got some money together i got gopro involved and had some backing and it's like the story we wanted to tell is what is it then like living with a, a white shark on your doorstep because nobody's telling that story everybody has these perceptions through the media uh, or they will join groups like ours and they will see things but still do not grasp that idea of what's it actually like to see a white shark and i i think we got a little close to that with the film but 
that that was the whole that was the whole driver for it Dirk was just I want to tell that story of the media has lied yeah. to me um as honestly and, as and, it's, and it really comes out across very nicely uh, very well as as well as well presented and um you know you got, you got some interesting people talking about sharks as well and uh it's just uh brings back so many memories of you know the whole crusade to actually change perceptions and i'm really grateful for all the work that you've done out there to, uh, ricardo well you, well you were you were you were a big part of that Dirk, because when we interviewed you obviously i didn't know you at all before yeah. then uh, I'd, I'd seen obviously I'd seen the other groups and I'd seen some of your photography, but I didn't know you. And, and then Rob obviously said you really need to speak to, to Dirk. His photography is amazing and check him out. And and really, to be honest, we sat probably for about two hours with yeah. you for an interview. Yeah. And and I genuinely would say the insights from people like yourself uh, or some of the surfers or some of the you know the the other people in that area that, that those conversations genuinely did convert me uh, i was making a film i was making a documentary i didn't know where that was going to go but it was actually talking to people like yourselves right. uh, that actually just opened my eyes and and i love that now because this happens every day uh, you know on our group on facebook on the white shock interest group someone will come along and you kind of see them coming in very green very naive and wanting to learn and it's just like let's open the doors and, and share these experiences with you which is what i hope we're doing what we're doing here as well with this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I think we. I think we're in the. I think we're at the right time uh, in life. In, in life, about that, there was always a question: Is white shark really super in danger now that they're almost out? You know. So it's good to know that for what the numbers say and the by people observations and it's kind of they have rebound back, you know, and that's good to see. I mean, I, I don't have all the facts in front of me, but for what I read and remember from people telling me, the numbers are better. So in some areas better than others, obviously, but yeah. it's good to see because that means that people are caring more for these creatures than they did before. Going back full circle to social media is that thanks to getting people interested just one bit about this species has turned it around in my opinion because now how many people go shark caging just to go or go south africa to see white shark jump or australia or california to guadalupe or or the farallone i mean it's just that you see the turnaround little by little you see that it's turning to positive to to toward sharks and especially the white shark and yeah. you gotta thank people putting the interest enough to click on a page white shark interest group oh you know what let, let me get going there or let me go to in any other page for that is interested in white sharks yeah of course ours is the best well, you might as well stick I'll, with the biggest right. and the best eh? You know. <laughs> but <laughs> but you know you could check the other ones too I mean, Absolutely no, and and share this stuff around. I found this is super super important. And again, we we're not making money from this. This isn't for our sort of benefit. But absolutely, if you're listening to this podcast right now, whether it's audio or you're on YouTube watching it, just please share it around because it's not just our group, but it's that message to to pass around that genuinely can can help with conservation. So that question, what can I do? What can I do? spread the truth about white sharks and the education you know about them and have those discussions. Dirk, I was just running because we're, we're probably should be wrapping up around now. Just on a final note to come back to that initial thing, if somebody lands on the group and says to you, Dirk, I don't live near the ocean, 
what can I do to aid shark conservation? What what would you what would your advice be? Well, as as we say in the White Shark Interest Group, as actually part of our logo is is actually it says educate, conserve, protect, and it starts with education. Yeah, you, know, you cannot conserve or protect a species you don't understand. And uh, you know, the more you can educate yourself about sharks as a species in general, and obviously great white sharks being uh, a more iconic species that is maybe easier to talk to and easier to fall in love with as well, because uh, the lesser sharks are lesser known. Through education, we can conserve because we speak out for sharks and making people more aware of practices that are you know, obviously harming sharks and harming the biodiversity of our oceans. And by, con- by through conservation, we can then protect. So to everybody who says, like, please engage, engage in the group, engage in discussions. There are no silly or stupid questions out there. You know, we are happy to educate and help educate people all the time. And uh, through that, you can become shark ambassadors and shark conservationists uh, being part of it and speaking out for sharks and ultimately what we're achieving is the protection of sharks very well said perfectly said so uh, we're going to wrap it up there guys just to let you know if you are listening to this and you're not a member of the white shark interest group you can join now head over to facebook and search the white shark interest group we're also uh, have our website which is the white shark interest group.com you can check us out on Instagram, which is white shark underscore interest group, where it's not just the photography. We like to try and put a bit of the, the facts and education behind the images that you see. And we're also on YouTube. If you search the white shark interest group on YouTube, where you may already be watching this podcast. So we're everywhere. Share it around. Click the like buttons. Hit the subscribe buttons. Do all of those social media goodness things that can share some truth about great white sharks and conservation. So big thanks to Dirk today and big thanks to Javier. Cheers. Thank you, Ricardo. We will see you on the next episode. Thank you.